It's good to see you this morning. Hallelujah. I get to fellowship with all my brothers and sisters today. What a blessing. Let me tell you something, guys. I'm going to give a little testimony. I so appreciate people when they have such a great desire for God. Sister, Bridge, Sister um, Taylor got here this morning, and she was ready for fellowship. And um, we were fellowshipping, and she got a phone call. And the phone call said she had mercy had to go into work. I looked at her. Tears began to flow down her flow down her eyes, and began to weep. And I said, "Oh my, what a blessing! What a blessing that she wants to be here so bad that it breaks her heart." And then we've got other people that, you know, stroll in late or don't, or don't come or what have you. Man, I pray that God gives every one of us the desire that Taylor has. She was weeping and the ladies just hugged her and embraced her because she loves the Lord and she's committed to, this, to the brethren to be here, to fellowship. That's how much fellowship I know it means to me, it means to her, it means to many, to many of you, hopefully all of you, that no matter what, she's like, I've got to go to work, but I don't, I want to be here. I want to be here. And she's crying. I want to be with my brethren. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. I just thank the Lord for all of you. It's a massive miracle that any of us are here. God pulled us out before it was too late. He pulled us out of the miry clay and lifted us up so that we could see the truth. And walk in the truth and find other brethren all over the world, Canada, Japan, just all the different countries, all the, all the states you guys are in, all over the place, coming together to fellowship regularly, to hear the word of God, to encourage the brethren, to speak the word of God, to sing songs unto the Lord and magnify him. Because we know that there's so few of us in the earth. It's very, very grieving to see what we see every day. When we go and we minister, we went out yesterday and ministered, and it was a blessing. Brother Cedric went, and Kelly, and Jillian, and Sister Taylor, um, of course myself, and Bridget. Did I leave out anybody, Bridget? We're all out. Um, huh? Amen. It was a blessing to go out and to share the gospel. But it's very sad at the same time. To see the rejection, man's mind, the men's minds and women's minds all over the world are so corrupt with this false doctrine that we, we do our best to try to share it what we can. Cedric and, and, um, and, and Bridget and Taylor and Linda, uh, um, all of so many are, are doing, are helping to try to get these videos edited and published as quick as we can because we know the time is short. We've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit lately in the last couple of weeks. I want you to find your gift and to perform that gift that God has given you. There's the gift of helps. Come in and help to get this gospel spread. And you can do your part by spreading the, the messages that we produce and the sermons that we produce on your social medias to your friends. Send it to them. Get those things out. It's going to help bring more people to hear the word. So you want to spread the gospel? That's one way you can do it and help us to get that gospel out. 
So help us with that. If you can't come out and make and, and share with us, pray for us. You know, be there, support, support the, the ministry. We need to get this out. Larry, you missed a great prayer meeting Friday night. We, we had uh, the Lord, I feel like I really spoke and said, it's time. It's, we have to, we, 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 a storm is coming. A great storm is coming. And we know it's short. We know it's short from his word. We know we live in the last days. We see prophecy being fulfilled all the time. We need to warn as much as we can. It's not up to us to bring forth the results. But we are commanded to go out and preach this gospel so they can, they can know. I was telling the brethren this morning that Noah preached, what, for 100 years or so. And obviously he didn't get any converts. But he still was a preacher of righteousness. That means he preached righteousness. It didn't matter if anybody came. We, we go out, we plant, and we water by planting seeds, by witnessing and sharing with people. It's not about, unfortunately, we don't get a lot of results. We really don't in the amount of people we go out because we go out every weekend, probably shared 100 people on weekends or more. And, um, and some agree, maybe not to disagree. Some persecute us and come against us and call us names and stuff. But, you know, we, we, we must do the work of the Lord and share the gospel. So I'm thankful for all of you that come. I'm thankful for all of your prayers. I'm thankful for all of you that are finding your gift in the ministry and perform that gift that you, that you have to help the brethren. It's not about a gift because you're to be exalted. It's about a gift to be able to help a fellowship. Some of them gifts is, is, is giving, you know, financially. I mean, we all to give financially, but some of them that. Some of them is, is, is prophecy. Some of them is gift of tongues. Some of them is healing. Uh, we need all these things in the body of Christ. They're either, there's, there's either, they're either all gone or they're all here. And we found in the scripture that they're all here. That which is perfect has not come yet. We, don't, we still know in part, don't we? Because when he, that which is perfect coming, you will know even as you are known. I don't think anybody knows everything yet. You're still growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, like 2 Peter 3 says. So you're still growing in that. That means the gifts are still prevalent today. Don't let anybody tell you they're not. But find your gift. Pray for your gift. Desire spiritual gifts is what we've been talking about. Before we go on to the subject matter and, and what we have today, this morning, the feast on in this love feast, I wonder if anybody has a prayer request. It's so good to see Sister Linda here this morning. Uh, she said that, um, that, her, that her husband, uh, Troy, is, um, is, is not feeling well, has a bad cough, and wasn't able to make it this morning. So we want to lift up Troy to the Lord. Um, anybody else have a prayer request? And, 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 and also keep, keep praying for Sister Linda. And we're going to anoint her with all today and pray for her. Uh, she's still having to take some medications she's been on, and we want that to be gone over with and she's having some side effect issues with that so keep her in prayer please hallelujah anybody else sister jillian you fell all the way down uh, yeah, they can't. oh wow well okay. let us pray for you before we leave today yeah she's sore she fell down thank god she didn't break anything <laughs> But, and she's okay, but let's keep Sister Jillian in prayer. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? 
Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Yes. Come on, brother. Tell us, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. Praise, praise the Lord. Um, yeah, Pastor John turned to me and I said, hey, man, praise God. Yeah, you guys prayed for me the other day. I was in a severe pain. In fact, there was a lot of things that were going on. The devil's mad, okay? He Let's is. put it that way. And so I would, and I had some thoughts of not even going to minister with you guys. And it's like, no, 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 I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I put, picked up my body and I carried it with cane and everything. Came. Pastor Don's like, what? What's going on, Kelly? It's <laughs> like, oh, it's gotten me a lot worse today. And he's like, well, so you guys all prayed for me. And uh, I got up this morning. I don't have any pain in my knee. Praise I don't have any pain Lord. in my feet. Hallelujah. Listen, he was walking with a cane yesterday. Yeah, it was Barely bad. walking with it, and God healed him. It's so been going on for Lord. like two weeks. Praise the Lord. You know, years ago, oh, Brother Kelly, it must have been 40 years ago before a lot of y'all were born. But I remember driving down the road, and they had this tent. And I said, and I, I, was, I was searching for the Lord back then. I was, wasn't even 19 years old, 20 years old, maybe a little bit older because 40 years ago, I was 50 years ago, I was 19. <laughs> okay, I'm really telling on myself. And uh, so anyway, I, I, Brother Larry, I, I saw this tent. It was a tent revival, like what they were having. So I pulled over, you know, and I'm going, you know, because I'd check out everything I could see. And I got up in there, and they had this guy, and he was, he was preaching, and uh, he was talking about the healings of God. And he was standing there, and he said, let me show you something. And he pulled both of his eyeballs out. They weren't eyeballs. They were, they were, they were what do you call them? They were glass eyes. Yeah, he pulled them both out, and he said, look into my eyes. And I looked into his eyes, and all I saw was meat. And he said, so, okay, give me something to read. I gave him something to read, and he read it, you know, and uh, I was like, wow. And he began to walk around the place and everything. He had no eyes, but he could see. So when somebody says me that tells me that there's no miracles, I saw it firsthand, okay? I saw it, no, nothing but meat in the head, and the guy could see. So God can do those things. You, you talk about being healed, healing your eyes. God didn't even put the eyes back. He just let him see out of his meat, you know? Huh? Yes, amen. And, I, I, and Sister Bridget, Sister Bridget was sick for years and years. I saw her 20 years. She'd come here sometime and... She'd just be in pain and on drugs and just a mess, man. Couldn't go anywhere. Just stayed home doing nerve block, burns, all these things on morphine and everything else. And look at her today. God healed her. And I witnessed that too. Jill witnesses that too. Many of us do because we saw her all those years. It's such a mess. Yeah, she helped me push the lawnmower up. So she was I said, wow, Bridget, you're pretty strong. <laughs> you know, she did good. But, but we see these miracles that God is doing. The other day, we're praying and we're having communion. And we're not even praying for anybody to receive the Holy Ghost or anything. And Larry comes up to me after the service and he says, you told me to tell, me, tell you what happened. He says, man, the Holy Ghost fell on me and I started praying in tongues. He said, it was the, it was the best I've ever had. He said, it was wonderful. So the miracles are, are happening you know, and thanks be to God. But we know also that there's going to be a lot of fake miracles in the last days also. We see that happening too. Matter of fact, let me just, before I go to prayer, um, let me, um, let's see, look, look at the, let me show you something in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 13. Mark 13, and go to, um, Verse 22, Mark 13 is talking about the end times, about the last days that we live in. 
and it says this is what's going to be happening. And you tell me if this is happening today. Mark chapter 13 and verse 22. He says, for false Christs and false prophets shall rise. Not just one false Christ, not just one false prophet, but it says it's plural. False Christ and false prophets. And that's what we're contending against, right? When we make the videos and we do those things to contend, to show the error of their way of what they're doing. And it says, and they shall so show signs and wonders. You mean they show in miracles? Yeah, the enemy can do that too. You remember when Moses threw down his staff and it turned into a snake? The magicians, the sorcerers threw down their staff and it turned to snakes. Or when Moses said, turn the water of the river into blood, the sorcerers did the same thing because the enemy always wants to imitate. He'll imitate tongues. He'll imitate healings. He'll do all that to deceive the people. And people like to follow miracles. We're not trying to follow miracles, but we know that signs and wonders follow those who believe, the scripture says. But it says here that they're going to show signs and wonders. Why? To seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. It's going to get, I want you to be aware of this. Don't just, don't go chasing miracles because you may be chasing the wrong end. These people will say, well, they, they, that's not miracle, that's just fake. No, they're, they're real. They're going to be real. And there are some that are real out there. I've seen it. So be, beware of that. How do you know if it's really God? By what they're preaching. By the fruit that they bring forth. Not by the miracles. Remember in, John, in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus said, he said, he said to them, whoever does the will of the Father, he's the one that has eternal life. And he says, but in that day they shall say to me, Lord, have we not cast out devils and done many miracles and wonders and prophesied? And what did he say? Depart from me. I never knew you. What do you mean? He never even knew them. They never came to the place where they stopped sinning. Because the one he says that knows me is the one who obeys my commandments. They never obeyed. But yet they were doing miracles, casting out devils even? What was the problem? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you workers of sin. That's how you tell. It's by their fruit that Jesus explicitly told us in Matthew chapter 7, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. So this is how you know them, by their fruit. A good tree cannot sin, cannot bring forth evil fruit, which is sin. That's how you know. Not by the miracles. Because he says here it's going to get so, and I'm warning you, he's warning us before it happens, it's going to get so bad that if it were possible, they would, they would seduce the people to the point where if it were possible, even the elect. So what does he say? Take heed. Watch out. Because I foretold you these things. He's telling us right now. So we watch, watch out for those things that are coming. Okay? Praise the Lord. Anybody else have a prayer request? Yeah, I, I got one, brother. Okay, Samuel. Yeah, my uh, daughter uh, Emma, she's got a, she's getting a fever. I think she has a fever right now. Just pray that she'd be okay because she had that issue before where she had a, a fever seizure, feverial seizure. So just pray that against that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And continue to and continue for uh, Jessica's foot as well. Yeah, Jessica's feet and ankles were hurting too. So keep that in prayer. Yeah. Okay. You had somebody else, Cedric. You want to pray for. Um... God's soldier, he'd be asking for prayer for his wife's family. 
Okay. And also, uh, Michelle Looney said, thank you for praying for me last week. My migraines are much better this week. Hallelujah. All right, Praise Michelle. Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're glad. Brother, would you, uh, would you go ahead and open it up in prayer and pray for these, please? Absolutely. First off, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this uh, wonderful opportunity to gather in your name. Your word says, Lord, where two or more gather, you are in the midst, Lord. And, Father, we are, we are here for you, Lord. We are uh, submitted. We are yielded for your spirit to have its way in our life, Lord. We thank you for the healings that have gone through this place, Lord. The Bible says that we have what we ask for because of our obedience to your word, Lord God. That's the promise. We lift up these people, Lord God, that are still ill, Lord God. I lift up Brother Troy. I lift him up to you this morning, God, that you would touch that man, God. That you would heal him, Lord God. Make him whole, Lord. Thank you for him being a support to his family while they were sick, God. I pray, God, that you release that burden from him, Lord. That he won't have to hold uh, that, that illness any longer, Lord God. That you would heal, heal him Father, from that, in Jesus God. Name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Heal him. Lord, I also thank you, Lord God, for healing Brother Kelly, Lord. Thank you for yes. touching Brother Kelly, God. Yes, thank you, Lord. And for him thank not you, losing faith or not losing so hope in you, God. Lord. Thank you for touching our brother, God. Yes, Lord. I pray, God, continuously for Sister Linda, Lord God, that she would continue, mm -hmm. Lord God, to be steadfast in the faith regardless of what comes her way, Lord God, but most of all that she be whole and healed, God, 100% in Jesus' name, Lord. Hallelujah. We also want to lift up Emma and Jessica, Lord, to you. Mm, that's Emma, God. I just praise God that you, pray God that you would Emma, touch God. her little body, touch God. Her little body, Father. You've healed her before. Heal her, Lord. And we pray you heal her I again. That fever as you did Lord God, we also Peter's pray, Lord God, God, for Jessica's fever ankle, Lord, in Jesus name. that you will heal her ankle, God, 100%, Father. Sister Jessica, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, feet, Lord God. God. She can walk From the top of her head to the sole of her feet, Lord God. strong, Father. That she would be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. The Lord wants us to pray with expectancy. He wants us to pray in faith, believing that he will perform that which he had promised. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who forgives all our iniquities, all our sins, and who heals all of our diseases. Thank the Lord. I thank you for that promise. Hallelujah. I wonder if anybody has something on their heart this morning before we get started. Uh, maybe you have a question, a revelation, something you need to share. Um, anybody even out, oh, even out witnessing yesterday, if somebody has something they want to share about that, it's a good day out, it's a blessing, praise the Lord, anyone? Okay, praise the Lord, amen. Let's go to the, if you would, I want to give a little review, because I, I didn't finish up last week on um, a couple of other instances in the book of Acts, so I want to go to the Acts, and I want to follow up from where we are so we can, I, I plan on, on wanting to finish that up today. So I'm teaching this and that you have a good understanding of it. The Bible says that we come together, um, we have gifts in the body to, for the perfecting of the saints, the equipping so that you are well equipped and know how to stand up against the opposition and that you'll no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Uh, we go through, I want to go back to the book of Acts chapter 2. You remember that Jesus had spoken to his disciples and he told them to go to Jerusalem and the weight there to be endued with power from on high in, in Luke 24, uh, he said this. And it took us over to Acts chapter 1 where Jesus uh, is there with them. He appears to, again to them in, um, in Acts chapter 1. And he quotes from what John the Baptist had said in Matthew chapter 3. He said that um, John the Baptist had said that I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I shall come, whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. 
and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You'll, you're going to see this, and we've seen this over and over where he quoted from that. So Jesus said, this is what's going to be fulfilled. He said, this was the promise of the Father, the promise that was going to happen after Jesus had died and resurrected, because in, Luke, in John 7, 37, Jesus said, on that great day, the great day of the feast, he lifted up his voice, and he said, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For as the scripture has, he that believeth, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But the Bible says, but this spake he of the Spirit, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus was glorified when he was with the Father before he came to the earth. He emptied of his glory and took on the form of a man when he was on earth. And yet he was looking forward to going and be glorified again after his death and resurrection. So the glorification was to happen after his death and his resurrection. So they go to Jerusalem. They're waiting for this promise that the Lord has said. The Lord had told him in, in John 16, he said, it is expedient that I go away, because if I go not away, then the Holy Spirit, the promise, will not come. So he said, you want this promise because, he says, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. So before, he talked about the Holy Spirit being on the outside, but now he said it would be on the inside. Okay, so that's what he was speaking of. So they go to Jerusalem, they're waiting there so, uh, in the book of Acts, and, he be, and they all together, there's about 120 of them, in a room, and they, they, as they were all praying together, Jesus' mother was there, the apostles were there, many disciples of Jesus were there, and it says that the room was filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, there was cloven tongues like a fire that sat upon each of them, and as they were speaking and praising the Lord, they began to speak in another language, and there were people there, this was the day of Pentecost that this was happening, there were people there from 18 different languages is what it looks like here in the book of Acts chapter 2. And they were, they were wondering, like, how can we understand what's being said when these are Galileans that are meeting together? We understand them in our own language. And so they thought maybe they're drunk with wine. Maybe we don't understand what this is. And Peter got up. Peter was one of the weakest of the apostles before. He denied the Lord three times in front of just a few people. Now he's standing up in front of thousands of people, seemingly with a great power in him, which was a big change in Peter from having denied him before and then repented. And he began to speak to them. He says, these people are not drunk with wine. Where you think? For it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And um, he began to tell them, but this is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. You'll find that in Joel, the book of Joel, chapter 2. He talked about an area in the latter days, he said that the Lord would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters would prophesy, your young men would see visions, and your old men would dream dreams. And he said, this is what is spoken of here. And at their wonder, Peter began to explain to them about Jesus Christ, the promise of Christ to come from the Old Testament forward. And he began to tell them that they had crucified this Christ. And that, their blood, that his blood was now on their hands because they had said, let his blood be on our hands and on our children's. And as he began to speak and speak of the Christ and they began to see the miracles, it says it didn't, they didn't only see them, but actually in Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, he says, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise. What was the promise of the Holy Ghost? He had shed forth this, which you now see 
and hear. So he's saying what the promise is, the Holy Ghost, says the promise is the Holy Ghost that you see in John 14, John 15, and John 16 that we went through in the last couple of weeks. This promise of the Holy Spirit is something you see and you hear. And as he began to talk to them, they, they, they be, their hearts became pricked. They, they, got, they had conviction on them, Brother Braxton. They began to feel like, oh man, we killed Christ. What can they ask the question? What should we do? Because they knew they didn't have eternal life in the, in the position they had. They, killed the, they had killed Christ, the Messiah. So what can we do? And the first thing that Peter told them, he said, the first thing you need to do is you need to repent. And that's what we're preaching today is a message of repentance. That's what John the Baptist's message was to a generation to prepare them for the coming of the Lord. He preached a message of repentance. The message of repentance never stopped, and it hasn't stopped to this day. People will tell you that you don't need to repent anymore, and they try to shun that. The message of repentance never stopped in the Old Covenant or the New Covenant or all the way back to Genesis. Repentance was always necessary for salvation and always will be. Repentance is a departure from sin. He tells them to repent. Have a change of mind that results in a change of heart that causes you to depart from sin. He said, that's the first thing you need to do. You need to have regret for what you've done. You need to confess it, and you need to forsake it, as it says in, in the book of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. So he, as he's telling them this, and he tells them, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, remission of your sins, that your sins would be blotted out from the past. The Bible says there were like 3,000 people that had come to the Lord that day. How glorious is that? That's wonderful. They were having a wonderful time. Now we talked about from there, they, they, they began to share things in common, began to live together. It was a glorious time of revival at that time. Wouldn't that be wonderful today? Praise the Lord. We're at the end of it, though, so we, we may not see it as, we, as we've had in the past. And it says here uh, that from there we go to, we went to the book of Acts chapter 8, if you remember that. Stephen had just been stoned because they had appointed uh, el uh, elders or deacons to help the apostles with the daily, daily work of taking care of the widows and all. And two of those people that they had appointed, was one was Stephen and one was Philip. Well, Stephen was, had signs and wonders following him and he was preaching his heart out. And um, they began to make accusations against Stephen uh, the council there got a hold of him. Um, the Bible says that when they looked on him, no, his face was as the face of an angel. Praise the Lord. He glowed with the face of an angel. And he says, but then he began to preach to them. Man, he was a preacher. He knew his Bible well, and he preached all, all through the Old Testament. to bring. See, they didn't have the New Testament that we have yet. So he preached it from the Old Testament. He was able to show them the Christ that had come through the Old Testament. But yet they rejected him. He began to say that they were hard they were, their hearts were hardened, they were, they, were, um, they were a mess, and they didn't like what he was saying, so they began to come upon him and gnash on, on him and, and bite him, what the Bible says, and, and bite his ears, and they began to put their, ears, their fingers in the ears. They didn't want to hear him. And last of all, they, be, they stoned Stephen. And what a great man of God. When he was stoned, he said, I see Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father, and he cried out to Jesus. And, he said, uh, and, and he, said, he said, forgive them. Don't hold us against them. Don't, 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 just like Jesus said when he died. Because he had love for all. Then we go to the book of Acts chapter 8, and as we're talking about. And there was another fellow by the name of Philip. Philip also had been appointed one of the elders of deacons. 
and he was fired up too. And Philip went, went, uh, went down to uh, the preaching um, over here in, in the 8th chapter in Samaria, the city of Samaria, and as he preached, miracles were coming forth from him. And the people were hearing and watching the miracles. Unclean spirits were crying out. Um, and all this stuff was going on. And we saw there what happened. We saw that there was one Simon. We saw that last week just to, just to bring it to your remembrance. And they had been baptized. Uh, they, had been, they had believed on the Lord. But then the other apostles saw that they, they needed to send Peter and John over there. So Peter and John came and met up with Philip with them there. And when Peter and John came, for, he says, for, they had no, for no one had received the Holy Ghost yet. So Peter and John began to lay their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, how do you know whether you got the Holy Ghost or not? Well, the Bible says in Acts 2, remember, they saw and they heard. Remember that? We went to that. And, and, they, and, and so there's the one Simon who had previously been a sorcerer or a magician. He figured he could add that to his trick bag and said, I, he, wanted, he asked Peter, I mean, I want to buy that from you. I'll purchase it from you. Just name your price, basically. He says, uh, I want to, that whoever I go to, I want to be able to lay my hands on them. And they, and they get the Holy Ghost. And, of course, Peter gave him a strong rebuke and told him that, uh, you know, your heart's not right with God. You need to pray that perhaps God may, may forgive you for what you're doing. Horrible thing he was doing. Okay, now that brings us to Acts chapter 10. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Thank God for Acts chapter 10. And recorded in the Bible, this is the first Gentile that came to salvation. Now, this man Cornelius was a just man, a righteous man in all that he could be. He prayed often, all the time. And he gave alms to, to, to the poor. He gave money to the poor. Always was helping people. He was, he was doing a, a wonderful job. So much so that God heard his prayer. And it came up as a memorial to God for what, uh, for what Cornelius was doing. And so God sent an angel to Cornelius. And the angel appeared to Cornelius and told him, he says, man, God's heard your prayer. And he, he sent me to tell you to send men to a city called Joppa, which was probably about a day's journey away. Go to Joppa and look for one whose name is Simon Barjona, Pete, uh, uh, Peter, Simon, Simon Peter. He says, go there, and it's going to be in such and such a place. They didn't have addresses or, or map quests back then, so they, you know, he had to be, they had to be led by the Holy Spirit to find the place. But he said, this is what the angel told him, where to go. And he was excited, I'd imagine. So he took uh, his, he was a, by the way, Cornelius was a centurion. He was a captain of the band there, of the, the Italian band. So he was high up. So he had soldiers under him and all. He was in that position. And, and he took one, one of his soldiers, and other of his, of his uh, workers there or servants, and he told them, I want you to go to this place and tell Simon, find Simon Peter and tell him what the angel told me. So he was excited. They went, they went there. They took their journey. They got, they got there after about a day, uh, and it was toward nighttime. And at this time, there's Peter, and it's about 12 noon. And Peter, they were preparing the meal to eat downstairs, and Peter goes up on the roof, it looks like, and he, uh, he begins to pray. He goes into prayer. And as he pray, he's praying, he goes into like a trance and begins to see visions. And he saw this four-footed sheet let down from the sky, from heaven. 
and it had all these unclean animals like birds and maybe pigs and all these different things that it was he had never eaten anything like this because in the law you weren't supposed to eat any kind of pork or anything unclean so he's got this vision he sees it come down and God's telling him I want you to kill it and eat it and Peter's like man I've never eaten anything like this Lord says killing it what I made clean don't call unclean and this happened three times to Peter. He went up, back up, then he came back down. Went up and, and, and came back down. And God said, what God has cleansed, that call thou don't call common. Don't call it unclean. And while Peter was wondering, what in the world is going on? He's thinking, what is God telling me? At that time, the other guys had just showed up from Cornelius' house, and they were waiting at the gate in the front to come in. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Peter, he says, go down. He says, there's going to be some men there that want to see you. Go, go, go. They're calling for you. So he went down and he met those guys. And, uh, and they began to tell him, Peter, this is what happened. Cornelius sent us here because an angel sent, sent us, sent, told him to send us to get you. And he was Gentiles. A, Gent, a Jew had never gone to a Gentile house. They weren't supposed to eat with Gentiles. They weren't supposed to be around them. And then he's got these guys coming and saying, you got to come with us. Peter would have never done that had he not had that vision. So God, God had given him that vision. He said, oh, now I know what the Lord's telling me. Don't call man unclean anymore. They had called Gentiles. We were unclean. We were called dogs before. We were unclean. Salvation had not come to us. The Bible says he came into his own in John 1, but his own didn't receive him not. His own was the Jewish tribe. He didn't even tell them to, he said, don't preach to the Gentiles, only preach to the Jews. Now salvation is coming to the Gentiles. So, so he, Peter says, okay. They spent the night with him there and lodged there that night. Next day, they took off the journey to go to Cornelius's. So they go in there, and he, and he gets over there, uh, and, he, and he begins to talk to him. And he says, uh, he says, go to verse 29. Therefore came I unto you, he's talking to Cornelius there, uh, without with argu without argument, he says. Gainsaying means argument. I came without argument. I didn't argue with the Holy Ghost. I, I came. As soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, what intent you have sent? Why did you call me? And Cornelius said to him, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And the ninth hour, which would have been what? The ninth hour, if you day starts at six, so that's three o'clock in the afternoon. Three, 3 p.m., ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms your giving, your charity, uh, or had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the, by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak to you. Immediately therefore I sent for you. And he said, you did well that you came. Now therefore are we in the presence of God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We want to hear what God told you for us. <coughs> Then Peter opened his mouth. He said, man of a truth, I perceive that God is no respect of persons. Now the Jews would, other Jews would be like, what are you doing, Peter? But he understood that. He was following the Holy Spirit's leading. Verse 35. And this is a good scripture you, you need to memorize too. But in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. See, it's not about God, you accepting God. It's about being accepted of God. He said, he that works righteousness, well, we hear today, well, you don't need to work any kind of work. You're not saved by work. You don't, the works don't have anything to do with it. Baloney. It says that every nation, 
he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted with him. And so Peter begins to, to share with him about Jesus, what he had done, how he had been raised the third day, how he, would, how he was crucified, and, uh, and, and all the things that had happened to the Lord. And verse 43 says, And to him gave all the prophets witness, and through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission or forgiveness of sins. And while Peter was speaking on all this, while he was speaking, kind of like when we were having communion the other day, while we were having communion the other day, the Holy Ghost fell on, on Larry. Well, here it says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, on them which heard the word. Now, how did they know the Holy Ghost fell on them? How did they know? Anybody know? Can you? Quit reading ahead. <laughs> how did they know? And they of the circumcision, the Jews which believed, were astonished. Why were they astonished? Just the Holy Ghost fell on them. You know, what, what did they see? What, 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 why did they get so astonished? What was so exciting about that? For as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. We saw in Acts 2 that what he said, he said, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit that is for you, for your children, and for as many as the Lord our, our God shall call. Shall call, he said in Acts 2, 38 and 39. So here you're seeing, the, he said, just like this, here's the gift of the Holy Spirit again. And they heard them, whoa, 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 this is how they tell? How did they tell? See and hear. Remember that from Acts 2? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify, praise God. But they heard them. How did you know? How do you know they had the Holy Ghost? Why was the Jews so excited? Why did we circumstances like, whoa, look what just happened? They're speaking with tongues and prophesying. They got the same thing we got. The gift of the Holy Ghost is now falling on them. Look at this. We're excited. Then Peter says to them. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Hallelujah. So they got the same thing we got. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to, to tarry certain days. So th th this all happened right here. Now, this, this, look what happens next. I want you to go to the next chapter. Now Peter goes and meets with all the other, other apostles. Oh, boy. You know there's going to be an uproar. <laughs> this is not going to fly well at first, okay? So he goes and meets with the other disciples here in Judea. And, and when Peter, verse 2 says, And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, or Jews, they argued with him. They contended with him. What are you doing, Peter? You went and ate with Gentiles? You went up in their house? Are you crazy? And Peter's trying to tell them why. You know, no, you got to listen. No, you got to listen to me. Listen to what happened, because this is like forbidden. And then Peter says to this, no, he said, Thou wentest in to men, uncertain, these Gentiles, uncircumcised, and you ate with them? But Peter rehearsed the matter. He said, let me tell you what happened, okay, from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying. So he's, go, he's going to go through the whole thing with them and explain to them what happened. Guys, y'all need to listen to what happened. And he talks about the vision that he had where he saw the vessel, the vessel come down and saw the unclean animals and God telling him to eat and all that, and uh, to slay in verse, verse 7. And he said he wasn't going to do it. And God says, no, don't call anything that's, that's common or unclean anymore. Uh, and then he said, verse 9, and, and the voice answered me again, saying, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou uncommon, uh, uncommon. I mean common. Thank God for that. That's where salvation came to us. We know in Romans chapter 11, he talks about that. We, as olive, wild olive branches, were grafted into that tree. 
and the natural branches were broken off. Here's where we came into our salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And this was done three times, he tells him. And he said, verse 11, And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me. The Spirit pushed him. Go with them. Go with them. Nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren, they came with me. So it was him and six other, other brothers. And, and we entered into that man's house, Cornelius. And he showed us how he had seen a vi an angel in his house, which stood and said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose sur surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Praise the Lord. Yeah, he wanted to hear him. And as I began to speak, he said, man, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. He said he did it the same way. Well, how did it fall on them at the beginning? The beginning for them falling on them was at Pentecost, right? Yeah. He said he did the same thing. Didn't remember thy the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water. Look at it. Remember I said you see this scripture over and over again. That's the same thing that Jesus quoted in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, when he said, when he repeated, he said, this is the promise. And he quoted from John that I will baptize you with water and fire, with, with the Holy Spirit and fire, excuse me. John to be he, he baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Wow, same exact scripture he quoted from. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We saw that when, we were, when 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we see that one of the gifts is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said he gave them the like gift just like he did us on Pentecost who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand God? <laughs> I, I got to do what God said, man. Who am I to withstand God? And it said then, it says, when they heard these things, they, they shut up. <laughs> they quieted them up, Braxton. They held their peace and they glorified God. Hallelujah. Saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. What powerful words. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing? You see what happens here? Is that clear? I mean, what we've been reading over and over, same thing. That's not, anybody have any questions about Cornelius' experience? Okay. Everybody good? Any comment, question, anything? Okay. Hmm. <laughs> In the book of Luke, something? chapter 15, verse uh, go 7. Go ahead. Go ahead. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, verse 7, it says that um, for there are 99 just persons that do not need repentance. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that Cornelius was a just man. In chapter 11, verse 14, it says that, and all thy house shall be saved, signifying salvation has come to the Gentiles. And then it ends in verse 18 and says that the Gentiles have been re uh, granted repentance unto life. So Cornelius was a just man, according to Luke 15, uh, which says that the just men do not need repentance. And if this man was a, a just man in that same context, and it says repentance unto life, what he would be repenting from? Well, he, you know, it doesn't say when he repented. He obviously had repented, or if he had not repented, he would not be able to, God, God would have never even heard his prayer, right? Because the Lord does not hear the prayer of a sinner. So he had already repented, and he was walking in all that he had. Okay, so God winked at things, certain things for a while, but commands all men everywhere to repent now. 
So that, that, I believe that's what was going on. He was already walking in righteousness, but he caused all men everywhere to repent, to turn from their old ways. So if he had still been in his old ways, but it clearly says he was not in his old ways, it clearly says that he was a just man even before God, and God heard his prayer. Get you a speaker. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, repentance unto life, that's referring to Gentiles gen general, correct? It's referred to anybody, really, but that's when he came on the Gentiles Correct. to have repentance of the life. Okay, Brother, brother uh, Wes, go ahead. Yeah, everybody needs repentance unto life because we all need our past sins forgiven. Exactly. That's the free gift is that, you know, the reconciliation is the scraping away of all the past sins that you committed that there's no way. It didn't ma doesn't matter what you could have done. You could never bring that reconciliation of your life and right standing back with the father it's you you can't do that the only way is through jesus christ he's the way the truth and the life and obviously we don't want you know in in it talks about the bride made herself ready in revelation chapter 19 and it says it was granted for her to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright the righteous acts of the saints is that garment but her coming clean is what clothes her and God granted. It also says this in um, in Timothy. No, this is Thessalonians. In Thessalonians, uh, or Second Timothy. Sorry, Second Timothy, chapter two. It says, "And a servant of the Lord." This is verse twenty-four. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but um, must not quarrel. Where am I at? Servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps, so here it is, if perhaps, we'll grant them repentance. So, you know, God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him. Now, this is the effectiveness. This is kind of like what I would like to to to, to open up with is is there's we were supposed to pursue spiritual gifts, you know, desire the 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 greatest gifts, according to First Corinthians chapter twelve, the end of the chapter. But Paul says, "Yet I show you a more excellent way, which is love." Now we can all seek after gifts of the spirit and everyone has been given a measure of faith or a measure of grace, a measure of a talent that has been given to each one of us according to the ability that we have initially coming into the kingdom of God, whoever's really come clean and God has given him his spirit to them. And what Don is saying that there's these evidence of like speaking in tongues and if this is what the book of acts says hey this is what it says i mean we're not making this up right like don's getting in there and he says what's the evidence it's it's them speaking in tongues what fell on them at the day of pentecost is what fell on cornelius's household is what fell on and consecutively through the book of acts you're going to see there's this evidence that's seen and like last week i said there's other evidence there's other evidence that we can see the spirits on somebody but this was the initial evidence that at least the book of Acts saw. But even beyond just like, let's say, the gift of tongues or any gift that we each individual has, it must be mixed with love. And that's like one of the things that I could see. Because if it's not mixed with love, which is really, I think it's really, if you have love, you have God's spirit because God is love. 
And so if you really have like uh, God's spirit, you're going to be moved, you know, like Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved to do this. He was moved to do that. You could see this in the book of Acts. They were they were withheld from going into this city. They were moved to go into that city. To be moved from the spirit, like because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, let's say to be moved by the spirit is the most humble thing that you could do because you're not being self-reliant. You're not you're not trying to do it out of your own intellect. And so for it, sh- it shows like a really a heart of humility. Only somebody with a heart of humility is going to have this understanding and they're going to be motivated properly in ministering to other people. And I'm just going to give one passage and I'll pass it to you, Don, and we can maybe open up and show like, because First Corinthians 13 is really going to show this idea, but like... Um, um, the, the, the passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It talks about the spirit, not the letter. And it says, the spirit, you know, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So if you just have the letter, like what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, you could have all knowledge. And think about this. You could have all knowledge, not wrong knowledge, right knowledge. You could have all right knowledge. But if you don't have love or the spirit, which is really God's spirit, Christ's spirit, you don't have love, God is love, it's not going to profit anything. It's just a clanging symbol. It's a bunch of noise. It's ineffective at all. It does nothing, according to what Paul says. So you can have all knowledge. You can have the faith that moves mountain. You can have miracle signs and wonders, like what Don was saying. The, The people that have lying signs and wonders, they don't have love. They don't have they don't have truth. They don't have these elements that only come by the Spirit of God. And so therefore they're ineffective. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce anything in the heart of man. It definitely doesn't reproduce living epistles that are read and known by men. It doesn't, it doesn't do any of that. And I think this is like you know, like what I said last week, that that love is the bond of perfection. Love is the bond of completion. And you could even see this in Ephesians chapter four, and I don't want to go too deep, but Ephesians chapter four talks about the speaking the truth and love. They may build yourself up to, to the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's the complete man. It's the perfect man. It's, it's what first Corinthians 13 says, the mature man. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man or somebody that's mature, then I put away foolish things like who's the best or who's the greatest. None of that can be, you cannot be used by God unless all envy, all self-seeking, this is why you have to lose your life to have life. It cannot be there because if it is, it's going to be tainted and it's not going to affect anybody. Amen. That's a good word. Uh, Exactly. Everything that we do is, is, is to be motivated by love. Um, the scriptures is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision available to anything, but it's faith working through love. And uh, he's so right about that. I think that's why uh, love is sandwiched in between um, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, because the love chapter there in the middle is, is 1 Corinthians 13. But I want to show you one other thing that we're talking about here. Uh, if, if you hold your place there in Acts 11, and I want you to look over at Acts chapter 4 with me just a minute, uh, and in verse 12. Uh, it says there, uh, ne- neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What name is that? Jesus, Jesus Christ. 
So these people that say they have salvation outside of Jesus Christ do not have it. Now, did Cornelius have salvation before he came? Well, I think that he was ignorant. He was walking in all that he had. But one thing he said that he wanted Peter to do, that the angel told him, and you'll find that in verse 14 of chapter 11, he said that Peter would tell them the words whereby him and his house could be saved. So were they saved? Well, the scripture doesn't indicate that he had the way to save salvation because, because there's only salvation in Jesus. Once he received it and knew it, he walked right into it. Though he was seeking God with all his heart, the Lord showed him, okay, now you need to come through the door. Jesus said, I am the door. There's no other door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he could not have been able to come in with that. Um, just like people that died before Christ, you know, they still weren't able to have their sins forgiven all the way from the past because Christ's blood did that. They always had a conscience where they had to keep going back year after year and offering sacrifices because it wasn't the perfect sacrifice. But once the perfect sacrifice came, then your past sins were gone, like Wes was saying, uh, and, and never to be remembered again. So I just wanted to point that out as what you were talking about there because because he was bringing them, the angel came to show him, this is how you need to do it. you got to do it God's way. And there's instruction. That's why we pay attention to the instructions of the Word of God, because we want to follow the way God said to do it, to obtain our salvation and walk in Him and do those things. Now, I want to take you to one more account. I want, to, I want you to go to the book of Acts, chapter 19. Paul is here this time. It's not Peter. It's Paul. Did you have a question? Oh, no, I was going to say something. Okay. It kind of reminds me of people that we run into on a daily basis that believe that they can be saved by being a good person, you know, and Cornelius was a good person yeah. in, in the sense of being just in, at that time. Yeah. But yet salvation still had to come through Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, Corn Cornelius was quite a man because he was seeking God with all of his heart. That's what made it different than some of these people we're running to that think, they can be good enough is that they're not seeking God with all the hurt. They're just trying to earn it themselves by outside of God. But this man was really seeking the Lord, and that's why the angel sent him, because he was just ignorant. It wasn't that he had refused Jesus Christ. He was just ignorant of it. You know, and, and Paul even said when he persecuted the church, he was ignorant. He did it in ignorance. He didn't know that Christ was really the Messiah. And once he knew that, then he turned and he walked with the Lord and repented of what he had done. Yeah, why you persecute me, exactly. But here in Acts 19, this is Paul instead of Peter. This is the Apostle Paul now coming forth. Uh, Paul, probably the most fired up disciple or apostle in the New Testament, wrote more New Testament books than, all the, than any other apostle. And here he is, he's, at, he's in the coast of Ephesus, and he runs across, if you, if you'll see in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 19, he runs across certain disciples. That means they were Christians, Right? They were disciples. They were walking in the Lord. And he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Wow, that's quite a question, isn't it? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So they were having believers that didn't have the Holy Ghost yet? Hmm. Remember Jesus said that he's with you, but he shall be in you. So they still kind of had the Holy Ghost because he was with them, right, before, before that. But I want, to, I want to bring some other scriptures up to you because I want you to look at this. Do I have all the perfect answers for him? Probably not. But I just go by what the scripture says. 
and I have to walk in that. I want you to turn with me as you hold there, and I want you to go to, uh, to Luke chapter 1. Because I want to bring all sides and look at it and see what's going on here. Luke chapter 1, and I want you to go to verse 5. And I want you, if you would, hold your place in Acts 19. I know I'm probably too late. You didn't left there. But we're going back to Acts 19. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. There was in the day of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias. He was a priest of the, tab of the temple. Um, of the house of the course of Abbei, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we have Zacharias and Elizabeth. Who remembers who Zacharias and Elizabeth is? Parents of who? John the Baptist, that's right. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. What a powerful scripture. You, should, you need to memorize this one too. For when people tell you, no one's righteous, no one's blameless, no one can be perfect. You need to remember that one. They weren't, they didn't, Christ had not even come yet. Keep that in mind. Now, they, he gets a pro, they get a prophecy, verse 15, and it says, talks about John the Baptist. He says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Had Jesus come yet? Did Jesus come when John the Baptist was born and was crucified and resurrected? How can he be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb? Let's go further. It says here in verse 41, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Had Jesus come yet? Had Jesus been glorified? How was she filled with the Holy Ghost? That's not enough. Let's go to verse 67. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. So all three of them got filled with the Holy Ghost. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 22. Jesus has, has died. Jesus has died, has resurrected. And then he comes in verse 22 and he said to, to them that he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Didn't say they were in the Pentecost. It said he just, he just come to them and breathed on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Okay, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I can't wait for y'all to answer this. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're carnal, you can't please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. It will be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you have to have the Spirit, or you're none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, 
He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. But he said, if you have not the spirit, you're none of his. Go with me now to the book of Acts, chapter 9. This is the conversion of Paul. Paul is on the road to Damascus. He gets slain. The Lord speaks to him. He uh, began to seemingly repent there. He obviously did. I asked the Lord, what would you have me to do? And he, made, he caused him to be blind and wanted him to go and see a per certain man named Ananias. Ananias would pray for you. You'll get healed and he will give you instruction. So Ananias hears from the Lord. He wants to make sure the Lord is really accurate in what he's saying. Because he's the Lord. So he reminds the Lord, hey, Lord, this is the guy that's killing us. <laughs> you know, you really want me to go meet him? And he said, yeah, he's a chosen vessel. Going to suffer many, many things for my name's sake. He's going to be a great, he's going to be pro proclaimed this gospel. He's going to suffer many, many, for many things. And then Ananias says, okay, Lord. Saul goes to town looking for Ananias because God had put on his heart, look for one called Ananias. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered to the house. Putting his hands on him said, brother Saul. Was Saul a brother? Was he a Christian? He's a brother, right? The Bible says, Brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that you might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He was a brother before he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So can somebody be a brother, a sister, and not have the Holy Ghost as far as what he's talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes, he can. Because when you come to the Lord, you receive a portion of that spirit, of whatever you want to call it. But then there's a feeling of the spirit. John Baptist was very unique in that he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. He's the only person I ever noted that, that, that had that. That's why he said there was none greater that was born of, of, of women than John the Baptist. There was a, there's a Holy Spirit that's there before when you come to the Lord. But then there's another seemingly the gifts of the Spirit being used through the feeling of the Holy Spirit in a different way that he's speaking of here. That's why he says to these guys, he says, that, go back to Acts 19 where we were, and he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They knew that that was something different than just being in Christ because they were saved. They were like Saul. They were walking in what they, of all they knew. They were believers. They were brethren. And they said, no, look at it here. Verse 2, chapter 19 of Acts. He, says, he said to him, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They, and they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is, is be any Holy Ghost. That was foreign to them. They didn't know what he was really talking about. So Paul had to explain it to them. And he said to them, unto what then were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. What was John's baptism? A baptism of repentance. And he said, then Paul said to them, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. Do you know there was two baptisms? There was a baptism of repentance. Then look what happens here. Saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, what happened? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They got baptized again. Because why? Because 
when you baptize in Christ, it also, you're dying with him, he says in, in Romans chapter 6, and you're resurrecting with him into newness of life. So that had to be, that had to be done also. It wasn't just for repentance. Now we baptize once for, for the same, for repentance and to be, go down with Christ and to resurrect with him. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, look what happened. The Holy Ghost came on them. Did they, did they see and hear anything? Yeah. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Praise the Lord. Wow. So we, we see this happening here. Now, what is salvation? Now, we're very clear on that when we minister. Salvation is not receiving the Holy Ghost as far as speaking in tongues. That's not salvation. That is a gift of the Spirit for someone that is, that already has salvation. You get, if, you get the, uh, if you get tongues or, the, or those operations without salvation, it's not real. Because the Bible says in Acts 5, we all know, it says that he gives the Holy Spirit to those that obey him. Okay, we, we all understand that. But here, it's talking about here that they receiving this Holy Ghost in the Lord as they walk in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they prophesied. So uh, salvation, as we know it, is in 2 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11. What is it? Godly sorrow to repentance to salvation. Does it say godly sorrow, uh, repentance, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then salvation? No. It's repentance. It's godly sorrow, repentance, then salvation not to be repented of. This is the gift of the Spirit. Should you desire the Spirit to give? Yes, you should desire it. Now, I'm going to tell you this in closing because we don't have much more time and, and, and somebody else may want to talk too. I want this to be understood. I want to drive this home with you. Turn with me, last of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You need to understand this or you'll be confused. I don't want you to be confused. I want you to understand it. I want to look at chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see a lot, all the gifts of the, almost all the gifts of the Spirit in names there. And it says to desire them, and it names all the gifts of the Spirit. And like Wesley said in the last verse of chapter 12, it says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, yes, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. What was the excellent way? It's through love, like Wesley was saying. Love is always the foundation of the gifts. It's not for yourself to glory in yourself that you have a gift. It's love for the brethren that you can help the body of Christ through your gift. That's what it's about. Now here in chapter 14, I want to distinguish two things. The, the gift of tongues. I want to talk about that just a little, little bit if you don't mind. Uh, there's speaking in tongues, two of them. There's the gift, there's the, they're both called the gift of tongues. But they, they use and manifest it in different ways. One is the gift of tongues that edifies you. It builds you up. The other gift of tongues that it's talking about edifies the body, the church. They understand it, what you're saying. One, look at, look at verse 2 of chapter 14 of, of 1 Corinthians. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men. Did you hear that? Not unto men. You're not speaking to somebody else. You're not edifying the church. But unto God you're speaking to. Look at this. Underline this. For no man understands him. That means he's not speaking an earthly language that everybody understands. No man understands him. 
You need to be clear with that because you get a lot of people confused. Well, if you speak in tongues and nobody understands you, it's no good. No, he says no man understands you when you speak, when you pray in tongues here. What does he say? How be it in the spirit, he speaks secrets. That's why nobody understands because it's secrets. Look at verse, verse uh, 4. Speaking of the same thing. He that speaks an unknown tongue edifies or builds up himself. But he that prophesies builds up or edifies the church. And he tells you, he says, I wish, the next verse, I wish you all spoke with tongues. But in the church, he says, I, I would rather you, I, I want you to prophesy unless you have any interpretation for the tongue. So you have to be clear and see that there's a speaking of tongues where it's edifying you. Nobody understands it. People say, well, I understand what he said. No, no, not unless there's an interpretation because it's not an earthly language. He says there, no man understands him. I want to drive that through because I hear it over and over again. And they get to confuse and they try to lap them both together and they're not meant to be. One edifies the church, the gift of tongues, where there's an interpretation. One edifies you, which is your prayer language between you and God that builds up your most holy faith. You understand that? Everybody got that? Wow, that's good. You got something? Yeah, I just want to bring up something. That, uh... When uh, Larry is bringing up an example here that we all know about, when Larry received the tongues, I heard him say, I understood what I was saying. So is, is this an example because, of what because you're Larry saying? Because Larry was speaking in English, but he started speaking in, tongue, he started speaking in tongues, and his mind was still on, on his, what he was saying in English, even though he wasn't understanding what the tongue was. He might have thought he was, but he's not. He wasn't. He so was he, just speaking what he was speaking what he was thinking in his mind, but it was coming out in tongues that he did not have an interpretation for. Oh, right, right. Wesley, you want to help me out on this and, and, and confirm this, or, or whatever you have, brother, or somebody on there. Anybody have comment? Well, I think I think that there's tongues and there are diversities, and 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 I don't even claim to know everything as far as like what exactly happened in Acts chapter two or Acts chapter ten or all these different passages. Because here's the thing. This is 2000 years ago. Like we have to look at the verses and be like, okay, all we know is first Corinthians 14 says no man understands him. So in a sense, like we, I think that, you know, how would you, I, I guess I can propose this question to you, Don, if it says all of them heard them in their own language there in Acts chapter two, how did they hear them in their own language? Did they speak in tongues? Are we are, are we suggesting because we're speaking from silence? The Bible doesn't say it. Did they did they speak in tongues and then prophesy after speaking in tongues and then they heard them in their own language or was it something where they had the gift of interpretation of tongues? How, how would you explain that? Coupling that with Acts chapter two and and First Corinthians fourteen. I think the day of Pentecost was a miraculous day, as we all know. There were 16 different languages there, and they heard him speaking. With, they were glorifying God in their own language. God just did a miraculous thing there that I don't think necessarily has to apply com completely with, with 14, but though they knew they were speaking in tongues, yet does apply with, with uh, 1 Corinthians 14. So God did a miraculous miracle in that he gave the interpretation to the people that were there. There was an interpretation of those tongues to those people who were there. So that was edifying those people that were there. It wasn't necessarily their prayer language, but yet it could be their prayer language at, in essence so when they got alone or what have you. But even in Acts 19, it says they, they both spake, spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
So that means they were bringing forth interpretations also with those particular things. So God gave the interpretation on that particular day. Is what I see it as, Wes. So, so, so it could have been like a, a momentary gift of interpretation that God allowed them to open their ears. It's not like God was, you know, because someone would propose the question, well, does God give gifts to unsaved people? Well, I mean, think of it this way, you know, God obviously heals unsaved people, and that's a manifestation of his spirit that comes over them momentarily. We're obviously seeing many people that were filled with the spirit in the Old Testament, and were they, you know, saved in a sense, were they saved in a sense? Um, Yeah, some of them were saved, but there were many people that I would say that were unsaved that received healing power on their life, where they literally felt like the power of God strengthened their limbs and then get up. And we see this with like the 10 lepers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one of them came back that was thankful, but nine of them didn't come back, but they were healed of their leprosy. So it showed where they really were nine of them not saved and one of them were saved, but all of them experienced the power of God. That's what it seems to imply. So um, I would say there, like what you're saying in Acts chapter two, there could be a temporary thing where God gives somebody, let's say, a gift of interpretation, and it's a miraculous thing. Again, we're two thousand years away from it. What we do know is First Corinthians fourteen does say, "No man understands him," yeah. and so pray yeah. that you may interpret. What does that mean? Yeah. You don't understand it. You're praying that you may interpret. There in First Corinthians fourteen, it says, you know, and Paul actually. Wow says, I wish that all of you spoke in tongues. So this is Paul's wanting everybody to do it. I I think that for the mere fact that Paul's wishing for it, that, you know, I think that it's a possibility. This is a gift given for the individual to edify himself. Now, if somebody has doubt and they, they're like, hey, I don't want that because that's what the charismatic people have. And those people are wacky and they fall on the ground and they shake. And so they're, they they have this, the, it repels them from what they've seen. You're never going to get it. You're never going to give the gift of speaking in tongues. If you've had a bad experience or if you heard of somebody having a bad experience and then so forth, that repels you from seeking after it. If that's in your heart, you're never going to get it. I'm going to throw that on the table right now because you're, you're not seeking it. Like what, like Hebrews says, those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek mm-hmm. him. If you don't think that God's going to reward you for seeking after a gift, whether it be speaking in tongues or the gift of miracles, any one of the gifts, if you don't believe that God's a good father and he wants his body to be edified in love as the body builds itself up, you're never going to get a gift. End of discussion. Gifts are cut off from you because because you're you're seeking it in doubt. You're, Jesus couldn't do many mir- mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Like even the Son of God couldn't do it, you know, in the sense of like, because that's why he, even with Peter, like when Peter's mother was had a fever and everything there in the book of Acts, it says that he pushed everybody out. And then it's just Peter, James, and John. And it's like, why? Because God does not work with unbelief. He doesn't work. Mm-hmm. work with people that are just in a heart of unbelief or their heart. So this is what, this is an element that we all must have. If we're seeking after the gifts of God, that God wants you to build up the body, you know, through prophecy, through, you know, whatever gifting that he possibly would want to bestow mm-hmm. upon you so that you can help the body believe that. You know, uh, some people will say that, well, you know, if you're praying in tongues, that 
they, they don't believe that it's a, a they don't believe that it's a heavenly language. They believe that it's an earthly language, and somebody understands that, and that you know they 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 just they need to come speak in English so everybody understands, you know, because they speak it in, in this. Yes, if if it's in the church, you know, absolutely, you, you shouldn't just play out in tongues without an interpretation. But but when you see this in verse two, and it says, "For no man understands him," I want you to go down along with that. And look at look down at verse fourteen. It's going to say the same thing. It says, "For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit is praying." I didn't say that. You want your spirit to pray? I'm assured by what the Word of God says. If I'm praying in an unknown tongue, I know my spirit is praying. That's because the Bible says that. But my understanding is unfruitful. I don't understand what I'm saying. He's saying the same thing that he said in verse two where no man understands him, not even the person speaking it. So he says, my understanding is unfruitful. So what am I going to do? Is what Paul asked me. Like, what am I going to do? What is it then? Verse 15. So I'm going to pray with the Spirit. What does that mean? That means you're praying in tongues. And I pray with the understanding. Well, why? if I pray in the Spirit, what, I don't understand what I'm saying? No, you don't. That's why he said, well, I'm going to pray in my understanding. I'm going to sing in my spirit. I'm going to sing in tongues. I'm going to, then I'm going to sing with my understanding. I want you to get this, that you see that it's not a language that you're understanding when you're praying in the Spirit or singing in the Spirit. Watch, you'll even verify that in verse 16. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room who is unlearned say amen and giving you thanks? See, he does not understand what you're saying. Why didn't he understand what you're saying? Because back verse 2 says, for no man understands him. Okay? You see how clear that is? Because nobody understands him when he's in the Spirit. He says, when I bless with the Spirit. If I bless you with the Spirit. That means I'm, if I bless you with tongues, then I'm not going to benefit them. They don't even know what I'm saying. It's my prayer language. It's for me in my closet, you know, to pray in the Spirit for my prayer language of my Spirit praying for the Lord. Any other questions or comments? Yes, sir. Um, it just reminds me of something. Now, when he says, he says, and I pray that you have tongues, but that you do interpret when you prophesy, so the church may edify it. If you don't have an interpretation, let them not speak. So does that just say that when you do get the tongues to speak, you already know what the Spirit is saying through when you're speaking, or are you trusting that somebody else is going to interpret at that moment. I, I believe the beginning of being used, this is my personal belief, okay, you can get tip it to throw it out or whatever, but I believe that the beginning of being used in, the, in, in tongues with the interpretation, the beginning is, is starting with the tongues in your, the prayer language between you and God, like what Larry received. Yeah. And then as you move on, I think that the, you pray for the gift, and then the tongues with the interpretation comes for the body of Christ. That doesn't mean all the time when you do it, but he wants, he wants you to pray so that you edify the church. It's always about edifying the church. That's his main thing. He says, it says, man, I want you to speak with tongues, but even better than that, I want you to speak with tongues with an interpretation or prophesy so that it can build up the church. That's the ideal thing is building up others. Somebody says, well, I don't, you know, he says, he, says, uh, he that speaks on tongues edifies himself. I don't need to edify myself. The Bible says you do. Is that good enough? God said you do. You say, no, God, I don't. Brother West? Yeah, hopefully my mic's better. Someone said my mic was No, no, it's loud, like it was good so. before. It's not good now. 
Put it back okay, like it was. You guys need to turn. You guys need to turn down your mic then on that end for Zoom. Okay, so it doesn't turn, well, and turn you and turn you up. Okay. Now I'm up again, and people are going to say I'm way too loud. So, if if you could turn the mic up on the house and turn it down on Zoom, I don't know if somebody knows how to do the switchboard there. Okay, we did. But, okay, now you're good. Okay, now is hopefully that's better for everybody. But um, yeah, when we're dealing, the reason why love is the element that like you know, helps all this work and function properly within the gifts of the spirit, because then nobody's, there's no envy where there's envy and self-seeking. James says that there's confusion in every evil work. So if you have love, you have like, you're, you're, you're loving your neighbor as yourself. There's not going to be any envy. It's not going to be like, Hey, I speak in tongues. So therefore I'm better than you. Or let's just put another gifting in there. Hey, I do work. I'm I'm in the working of miracles. Therefore, I'm better than you. You see this in the book of Acts, where let's say Paul, unusual miracles are are happening with Paul. Handkerchiefs are being passed out, and people are being healed. You have Peter in his shadow is healing people. These people probably, you know, from what we can see, they wanted to make uh, Barnabas and Paul like gods, and 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 Paul's like, what are you doing? You know, we're just we're just men. One sows, one waters. God gives the increase. You know, you guys are trying to make us idols, and so this is what repelled Paul. So anybody that's walking in the spirit of Christ and they're not like puffing themselves up because that's what love i mean right there it's like first uh, corinthians 13 is like dovetailed between 14 and 12 and it's all about the spiritual gifts and what is he saying love doesn't parade itself it's not right. puffed up right. it's not trying to like hey look at me and look what i have and see see if you have love then it's thinking about others and and therefore you will never get in this flow of like trying to draw attention to yourself and be the preeminence right mm -hmm. and so anybody that has that type of heart uh, obviously cannot operate in the gifts of the spirit. This is why Paul specifically, I think it's to Titus and to Timothy talks about don't raise up a novice. Why not raise up a novice? Because a novice is not going to be mature. They're not going to walk in this way. They might not have sin in their life. And so they might have this, these immaturities where they, they just, they're not doing it intentionally. Some may be, I can't judge. I'll let God judge be the final judge on each person's motive because I can't see into the heart of man. I could see what's coming out of them, but you know, I, I don't know in every situation, you know, exactly their motive. They, they could be not doing it for selfish ambition. So sometimes you could see it. Sometimes you can't. What I'm saying is, is, you know, people could be like, well, you know, you have the gift of tongues or you're better, or you're puffing yourself up. Anybody that's doing that is not motivated out of the spirit of God. You could just like, you know, they might be immature, so I wouldn't write it off completely. They just may not have an understanding of it, but anybody that's trying to or parade themselves, it's not going to help anybody. It's not, it's not going to, we're saying this gift is for everybody because we believe that God's not, uh, you know, he's not a, he's not partial. He's not a respecter of persons. If this is a gift that builds an individual up, why wouldn't it be accessible? And, and, and that would clearly make sense when Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Do I wish for something that it cannot happen? I don't think so. I mean, that you, you can say, well, that's just your opinion. Well, I think that he's wanting everybody to build themselves up. Yeah. 
Thank you, Wes. Thank you. That's a really good word. Praise the Lord. Anybody else have a comment? Praise the Lord. Will somebody pass out the communion then? You know, you want to, if, if you would, I would encourage you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at the gifts of the Spirit and, um, and see what, what, what your gift is and how you can operate in that gift to help others. It would be a blessing. And uh, we have a lot of different things here, you know, that we need and uh, to help to, to help the ministry to grow and and. We need, we need you to operate in your gifts. So we, we, the body needs that. Uh, and that's a blessing to have from the Lord. Praise God. Brother, um, let's all stand. Uh, Brother Cedric, would you lead us in communion, please? <laughs> I see you over there struggling with that. Give him another one. <laughs> I got mine, brother. <laughs> He's having trouble getting the uh, wafer out, <laughs> the bread. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful word. <clears throat> we come together weekly, Lord, to break, break body, and to break bread and, as a body, and to take uh, on communion, Lord God, a remembrance of you and what you've done for us. Lord, thank you, Lord God, for your, uh, for your body that was broken for us, Lord, that we may be healed. Hallelujah. That by your stripes we're healed, Lord God. We can come to you, Lord God, and promote, uh, the, presume the, the, the throne of grace, Lord God, because of you, because of what you've done for us, Lord of how this resembles, of what it resembles, Lord, of what it means to us for you to give yourself, Lord God. And you also tell us to deny ourselves and lay down our own lives, Lord God, an example to that. And we have. And we've submitted to you, Lord, in honor of what you've done to us, Lord God, and your body being bruised, Lord God, that we may be healed and whole as a body and have it after examining ourselves, Lord God, to make sure there's nothing in our lives, Lord, before we eat of this, lest we sleep or die we eat, Lord, in remembrance of you. Thank you, Lord. Next is your blood, Lord. Your blood, Lord God, washed away all of our past sin, Lord. That we can now come to you and be clean, Lord God. White as snow, though we were red as crimson, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your blood covers uh, our past sin, Lord, and we now have the remission of sin because of it. Without the shedding of blood, we know, Lord, that there is no forgiveness. As we read, to, as we read this morning in Acts 4.12, Lord, that there's no salvation anywhere else but in the name of Christ. Because of your blood that was shed for us, we now have access to that, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you for it. Thank you, Father. This is such a, a great um, meaning to us, Lord God, of what your blood represents and what it means to us, Lord. Because without it, we cannot be forgiven for our past sin whatsoever. And so, Lord, we, we're so thankful for this, Lord, for shedding your blood for us, God. In remembrance of you, Lord, we lift up this, this cup that we have here. In remembrance of the Lord's blood for being shed for us and what it means to us and what it has done for us. As a body, we drink.
Cedric, cook this one off. Wonderful Lord. God is so good. So wonderful. We praise you, Lord, and we honor you, God, for all that you've done for us, God. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're the rose of Sharon to me. I love you, I love you, I love you. And now your sweet face I can see. Oh, Jesus, you're Lord over me. Yes, Lord. Oh, Jesus, you're Lord over me. You've given to me the complete victory. And Jesus, you're Lord over me. Oh. Uh... 
love on him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, you love him this morning. Praise God. What a wonderful time in the Lord. He is so blessed. He is so good. Thank you, Father. We love you so much, Lord. Praise be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Brother Samuel, would you close us in prayer, my brother? Amen. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for letting us all be here together, Lord, waking us up this morning. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, we're so thankful for your gifts that you've given us, Lord God, that you give us a desire, Lord, to run after them, Lord God, and seek them, Lord God, that we may edify each other, Lord, and build up the body. Lord, I just pray for all my brothers and sisters today, Lord, for a wonderful rest of the day, Lord, a peaceful rest of this week, Father. I pray, Lord God, for um, just increased blessings, Lord God, and your grace and mercy to be shown to us, Lord, daily, Father, and just your peace would just uh, flow through us, Lord God, today. Father, I just, I thank you, Lord, again. I thank you, God, for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I just pray for a safe rest of the week, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother uh, brother Samuel. What a blessing. Listen, we'll be meeting again Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you're here for the first time, we meet every Sunday at this time, 11, 11 a.m. Central, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central, Friday nights at 7 p.m. Central. So be sure to be with us. If you're for with us for the first time on YouTube, thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the service. And I hope it was a blessing to you. Please tune in by hitting the subscribe button and the notification button below so that you can see future videos. And brethren, please help us out by getting these, these word, the word out to the lost by uh, you know coming and commenting and, and uh, subscribing and uh, hitting like buttons. These are not for us just to think, well, we're doing a good job. No, it's so that it will increase the algorithms and cause more people to, be, to hear the wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the freedom from the darkness of sin. Thank you. God bless you. Have a good good day, a good evening. Be sure to pray for one, or, one another and encourage one another in Jesus. Good evening. Bye-bye. Oh, before we leave, guys, please, let's pray for